I wonder when was the last time that you were lost, like properly lost, and you basically didn't have a clue where you were and how you were going to get to the place that you wanted to be. You would think that nowadays, given SatNav, given Google Maps, Apple Maps, that shouldn't happen so much, but Google Maps and other forms of guidance, they come with their own pitfalls and with a warning attached because Google Maps can take you up some pretty weird and wonderful twisty and narrow roads along the way. But way before Satnav, many, many years ago when I was a student for the ministry, I was sent on placement. And as a city boy, I was sent just outside of the city to two rural congregations. And on the first Sunday of the placement, the minister who I was working with explained how it all worked. And he said, right, at the end of this service, in the first place, there's no hanging about. We've got to get out to our cars. You sit in behind me and we will move really quickly to the second church because there is a really narrow gap in time. And I was responsible for leading the first part of the service in both places. So that was fine. At the end of the first service, the minister pronounced the benediction. I was right beside him. He went down the steps and true to his word, he was out the door like a shot. And as the choir were coming out, one of the choir members, a wee lady, stopped me and she said to me, are you Jean Thompson's son? And I said, yeah. Oh, I used to work with your mum. And rule 101 of being a minister is you're always nice to old ladies, okay? So you can't just ignore them and push them out of the way. So I spoke with her for a couple of minutes and that was all the time that it took. By the time I got into my car in this packed car park, that minister was long gone. And I was on my own, struggling to find my way up to the next church. I was sure that I'd taken a wrong turn or I'd missed one. And as I reversed down to a junction, a wee man and his family came up past me and he stopped off. He put down the window and he said, oh, we are the minister did our service. Are you going to the other place? Yep you follow me and I'll take you up. Now, I have to be careful what I say about farmers today, but he drove really, really slow. In fact, at one stage, he stopped at a field to look in at his cattle. And all I thought was, I need to get to the next church. But eventually, he got me to the place. I ran across the car park. I arrived into the pulpit. The first time was finishing, and out of breath, I started the opening prayer. And while I might joke about that farmer and I'm stopping off and looking at his field, the, the simple truth is I did not know where I was going. And I was so glad of his guidance. We're coming into the summer. We have arrived into the summer now. You can tell that by the, the, the gaps around the building here today. And it's a time of change. It's a time of great opportunity. Some of our young people will be away doing summer outreach in other places. Some have recently finished exams and you're wondering what the next stage of your life will be. And for all of us, this is a good time to think about guidance. How does God guide us in our life? How do we know if we're doing His will, if we're following and living out His plan? 
And that's a question of relevance to people of all ages here today, because we're always moving into new circumstances in our life. But it is a question that is especially important for those who are younger to think about, because some of you are coming to big crossroads in your life. You're coming to big milestones, and you're thinking, what does the future hold for me? And if you're a person of faith, you're wondering, what is it that God has in store for me? What is it that He wants me to do? Well, recently we have been looking together at the book of Acts, and remember that this is, as Kevin DeYoung has described it, the continuing work of Jesus in His church. Yes, Jesus has returned to heaven. Yes, He's reigning beside His Father, but He is still very much at work, active in the life of His church, something that gives us confidence as His church today. And I want you to turn with me, please, to Acts 16, to a passage of Scripture that tells us so much about how God guides His people and about the way in which we who are His people should seek that guidance. And I've just talked there about God's people. And maybe, first of all, we need to stop and we need to think about who God's people are. Are God's people everyone in the world? Is it everyone because, after all, people are made in the image of God? Is that what we're talking about here? Well, remember that big story of the Bible, that it is a story of God calling a people to Himself. And He does that in our time through His Son, the Lord Jesus. He does that through Jesus' perfect life and His death and His resurrection. So, for us, we become one of God's people through trusting in His Son. And have you? Have you trusted? So, therefore, are you? Are you one of God's people through Jesus Christ? And it's God's people who will have a concern about God's role in their life. Because when we become one of God's people, we get an understanding of why we are here, not just here in church, I mean here in the world, that we're created with a purpose in mind. That is to glorify God, to be in relationship with Him. So, are you in Christ living life in the way that it's meant to be lived? Well, keeping those questions in mind, let's then look at Acts 16. And this is part of that ongoing story of Jesus at work in His church. And as we come to this chapter today, there are two important things about this chapter that it would be good for us to understand. The first is that there is a change in this chapter as the writer of the book, Luke, begins to talk about we instead of they. In other words, Luke becomes part of the story himself. He joins with Paul and his friends, and we get this incredible first-hand account of what it would be like to be a missionary in the church of the first believers. But of even greater significance, there is a, another change at this point in the story. Acts 16 marks the point 
when the gospel arrives into Europe. And of course, that's of great relevance to us today, located as we are right on the western edge of that continent of Europe. In going to Macedonia, Paul and his friends bring the good news of Jesus to another part of the world, and it further confirms what they've come to know and believe, that the gospel is for all people, and that people from all kinds of backgrounds and races and countries can be saved through turning to Jesus. But for us today, it is how Paul and his friends ended up in Europe, how they ended up in Macedonia, how the gospel arrived into this part of the world that we want to think about. The crucial question is, how did Paul know that this is where God wanted him to be? Well, let's think about that together because this passage tells us a couple of important things about how God guides us in our lives. And the first thing is this. It's a passage that helps us to see that God opens and closes doors in the course of our life. So that if you look at verses 6 and 7 again, there are a couple of phrases that might almost seem strange to us. Look at verse 6. We're told that Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia and this is the bit, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Then verse 7, when they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia. But then the bit that we're thinking about, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. And I've underlined those parts on the screen. So it's really clear that God did not allow them to minister in particular places because the Lord had another place in mind for them. And I don't know about you, but for me, this is one of these points in the story when I wish that Luke would tell us more. Luke, why don't you tell us exactly what happened? But he doesn't. And in God's providence, we are not told the exact reasons and circumstances as to why this happened? Was it some kind of human opposition? We don't know. But what we can say is this, this is such a clear example of what we sometimes describe in the Christian life as God opening and closing doors for us, so that in this particular case, it's highly unlikely that there was a booming voice that there was a blinding light or anything like that that kept Paul away from a particular place. Because you would imagine that if that had happened, then Luke would include that in his account. So what is much more likely is that God simply used practical circumstances to guide these missionaries away from certain places and to another that it was not necessarily spectacular or dramatic. And that's so important for us to hear, that there is not always hype surrounding the way in which God guides us. Sometimes we would love the hype, we would embrace the hype, because then that makes it all about us. 
so that we sometimes want God to guide us in a dramatic way. I hear people say, oh, if only God would show me a sign. We can't wait for a blinding light. We can't sit around waiting for a booming voice. Because often God guides us simply as our life progresses in ways that we barely even notice. And it's only later with hindsight that we look back and we think, oh, I get that now. So, remember when that happened or when we couldn't do this or when I thought that this is what I was going to do, and now I see step by step God leading me through His hand at work. God opens and closes doors as we go on in life. So, you may have good plans, but sometimes God has other plans. And very often, overseas missionaries talk about this. As they try and separate out what God wants and what is simply the desire of their own heart, they, they are guided by circumstances, by God upsetting their plans. A, a visa doesn't come through. Our unrest prevents them from going to a particular country. And through that process, they discover exactly where the Lord wants them to be. And for us, like Paul and his friends, if we want to discover God's will, then we have to push doors to see if they will open for us. So that sometimes the very best way to know what God's will is, is to pursue opportunities that come along, and God will open the way for us if it is His will. And it's important that we understand that because sometimes in the Christian life, we can be almost paralyzed by indecision. We sit back. We think, oh, well, God will show me. And we sit and we wait. We do nothing. It's not God's purposes and His intention. And for you, is it a case of stepping out in true faith in God? trusting that He will show you the direction for your life. But then there's a second thing that we see in this passage, and it's important to recognize this, and that is God guides us to where there is need. Because the Lord then, in this passage, reveals to Paul the reason why the missionaries were not allowed to go to these other places, were not allowed to spend time there. That's because there was a great hunger for and a need for the gospel in a place called Macedonia. Look at verses 9 and 10. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man or of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And the thing that really strikes me about those verses is not so much the vision in verse 9, but the response in verse 10. They got ready at once, instantly. They were ready to go. Why? Concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. 
And again, that is such a contrast with how we often approach life, that we can lack any kind of certainty as we move from one situation into another. So, how could Paul live his life with such certainty that he was living within God's will? Well, Paul concluded that this vision was of God because of what the vision was telling him, that it was a call to serve others, that it was a call to share Jesus with others, and that was entirely consistent with God's will for his whole life. So that there is a great lesson to learn from Paul here, especially if you're a younger person and you're asking yourself the question, what lies ahead? What am I doing next? What am I going to do with my life? That when seeking the Lord's will, Paul was responsive to the needs of others. He heard that there were people in Macedonia, and they needed the greatest thing of all. They needed to hear about Jesus, and so he was ready to go and tell them. And when you think about it, that approach goes so much against our culture, our time. It goes so much against what people would tell us about guidance for the future. That if we look at memes and, and Facebook posts, if we look at TikTok and Instagram reels, if we tune into radio phone-ins, if we watch daytime TV shows, the message is when planning for the future, put your own needs first. Make sure that you're happy. Get out of life and every situation in life what you can for yourself. But that is so not Paul's approach. That when he was working out where God would have him go next, what God wanted him to do next, it was a case of putting God first and others next and putting himself last. Now, I'm not saying, and nor does God's Word tell us, that we need to be miserable in order to, to know that we're doing God's will. That's not the case. I met up with a, a group of ministers many, many years ago, and I stopped meeting up with them. And the reason was because some of them seemed to believe that, that it was in their misery that they felt that they were fulfilling God's will for their life that the more woe they had, the more difficult people that they had to work with in their churches, somehow that that was showing them that this is where God wanted them to be. But remember that our God is a loving Father. He is the Father of all compassion. He has the best interests of His children at heart. He really loves you, believer in Christ. He really cares about you. But when looking to the future, when seeking God's guidance, we should be open as to how we can serve Him and serve others. And I think of the, the approach to life and the motto of John the Baptist. It would be a good one for me to live by, for you to live by, John 3.30, where he looks at Jesus and he says of Him, He must become greater, I must become less. So that in our lives, beginning with my life, believe me, and in our church, Jesus must increase 
we must decrease. But one final thing very quickly, and that is that when we look at all of Paul's life and the life of these first believers and missionaries, we see that God guides through his word and prayer. And we see in the book of Acts how God guided these particular believers through visions and words that were given directly to them. Let me say something about that. That was absolutely necessary for them as God continued to reveal himself to them because the scriptures were not yet complete. In fact, what they were living out, that was contributing to to the scriptures of the New Testament. The revelation of God was incomplete, and so God spoke to these people in these particular ways. But we understand that we live in very different circumstances, that remarkably for us, such things are no longer necessary because we have been so blessed to receive God's complete revelation to us. The Bible, the Scriptures of the Old and New Testament. What grace! Think about that because today, as a believer in Christ, and marvel at this, you are in a more privileged position than the Apostle Paul himself was. You have in full what he and his friends were yet receiving. But as we think about Paul, he was certain of God's will for his life because he put the Word of God at the center of his life and he recognized the importance of prayer. And when you look through the accounts of his life, when you listen to what he says in the letters that he wrote, you see the importance of God's Word. He wrote to his friend Timothy, and we have been thinking about their relationship and his first letter to him, but he writes in 2 Timothy 3.16, Timothy, all Scripture is God-breathed. This is God's Word to us. And therefore, it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. He recognized that the Bible is God's Word, that it's God's way of guiding us. So, anything that we may feel that we receive from God, all things must be in harmony with His Word. And sometimes it's helpful to talk to a more more mature believer to help you to know if the plan that you think that God is giving you or the plan that you have for your life is actually in harmony with His Word. It must be. And communication with God is a two-way thing. Paul knew that. In his letters, he says 28 times, I pray. And often, he asked other believers to pray that he would know God's guidance and God's will. Colossians 4.3, he says to the believers there, pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Before I went into the ministry, I worked 
in a community center in Belfast, and it was tough. It was quite a place. And one person came to work with us, and after a couple of weeks, she wanted to leave. And she spoke to me, and she said, I don't know what I'm meant to do here, and I'm bored, and this isn't what I expected. But that colleague never once asked what should be done, never ever offered to help, never sought advice or guidance. And you know, it's so sad to hear people who are frustrated that they don't know God's will. I, I don't know what God wants from me. I don't know what I'm meant to be doing with my life. But then when we talk, they never ever read the Bible. They never ever pray. And these things are fundamental. They're absolutely central to discerning God's will for your life. It's as simple as this. It's how God guides. And may we look to Him and seek His guidance for His glory and our good. And may we respond to what it is that He would have us do. And always at the heart of that is the Lord Jesus and the grace that we find through Him. Amen.